Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Craig Ferguson's Fancy Rascal Tour continues in November 2023. For the full list of dates, please go to thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour website. My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Here is Lewis Black one of America's crankiest and best comedians. Thank you for coming, Ben, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. How are you, pal? Every day, just a bigger and better and brighter world, isn't it? I don't know. I, I battle a little depression. I do too. Do you really? Do you really actually have I'm, depression? I'm, this first time in my life during the pandemic, and right. during the pandemic, it came on, and after it's kind of lingered. It kind of went away a bit, and it's lingered, and uh, and then you don't know if it's grief because my mother passed away six months ago. I am and, so sorry to hear yeah. that. Your mother was she lived to be over a hundred years old. One hundred and four. Wow. I mean, it's funny, like, I, I don't know if if this happened to you, but if I have, like, people I love, if they live really a long time, people feel like they you don't get as much grief as you would be allowed if they were younger. It's like you run out of grief. Has anyone hit you with that, or am I just being an asshole? No, that's what you think. You're right. But the thing is, is they've been there so long, it becomes something else. It's yeah. a different type of thing. Yeah. Because when you, as I, as I say in the act, but it, when you're arguing with your mother about when to take Social Security, well, we've, the statute of limitations has been passed. <laughs> <laughs> but 104, and just to give you a, because it's, to give you a sense of it, of what that age means is my mother, I got a call from the funeral home, and they said that, uh, they had discontinued. My mother wanted to be cremated. They discontinued her urn. 
Oh my God! She outlived her. She outlived earned. the urn model. Yet, yet, get another Do you one. Realize that is isn't that that first off that they make that many that they're coming up with oh new urns because people are going oh this is a better this is a, a better urn it's a <laughs> uh, that's. It's you know it's it's kind of great. It's a triplex. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny though because you were very close with your mom though, right? Yeah, it's funny. I I don't know if you would agree with this, but my wife says that all good stand-up comedians have kind of the same mom. That's a better and more interesting than that thing of. Uh, you know, some sort of a bitter life, or no. you're Catholic, Jewish, uh, Italian, Irish. You no, you can you can have all of that. You can have a bitter life and be Catholic, Jewish, Italian, and Irish. Well, I don't think you can be all these things at the same time, <laughs> no, but maybe you can. It's it America. It's spectacular. Yeah, but she says, because she, you know, knew my mom, and she was right But my mom. She said, I love my mom. My mom loved me, but she was kind of a cold woman, and she had poor boundaries. And she and my wife says that's kind of like a stand-up. Song. That's uh, God. How did you find some? You found a woman that that smart and married you? Yeah, I know. She's got a real blind spot. <laughs> <laughs> but but she said that. Said and, and sometimes that's interesting because my mother was cold, right? But to me, yeah, you know. But it's emo- not cold, but emotionally not. There, you know, withdraw. You know, we're not going to talk about you know we're not no gonna, no 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 i get it you know i mean i to give you something i haven't really shared with a, a lot of people like, except my close friends but and you're a, a good friend when i went to say goodbye to her that is literally one of the few times i can remember my life when we look each other in the eye yeah i understand that you know I was, that one i was exactly like with my parents too. yeah i was exactly that but i think i wonder if that was a generational thing as well with those guys because they my Father and mother were both kids during the Second World War, and yeah. Glasgow was bombed really heavily, and they saw death when they were young, and and they, I, I think it maybe, but they weren't frosty in the sense that they were emotionally distant, but they were very careful about using words like "I love you" and all that kind of stuff. Oh, no yeah. one kind of did all of that. Yeah, my father was uh, warmer, much warmer. Yeah, my dad too, I think, but uh, much quieter. Yeah. Then, uh, I wonder if it, if it is that you know here's here's the example of it. I got a, I want an Emmy, and I said to my mom, I want an Emmy when she was still alive, and she went, ah, uh-uh, daytime Emmy. <laughs> she really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that is that's my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of that thing, right? Because if you're a stand-up, and you've done that, every stand-up who's good, and you're really good, right? Any stand-up who's good, because there's a lot of stand-ups, especially now, everybody's a stand-up. But, you know, it's like, there's a stand-ups who are proper stand-ups. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. There's you, there's like Atel, there's like, you know, guys who really are it. And you've gone up on a stage at some point in your life, and you've died horribly on that stage, probably in the first maybe six months of your career. Oh, easily. And you went back and did it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, that, that, and you smile when, when I, and that's, that's like, I did that too. And that's, my wife says, why, why would a person do that? And I said, well, I, I don't know. You just kind of want to, I guess. Well, well, the thing is, is I think is, is that this, like with theater, and this is, has to do maybe with the, the mother. Yeah. 
boy, they're going to use this in psychological, sociological textbooks, this discussion. Yeah, no, no, no. They're, they, they're going to steal from us. They will, yeah, because academics always steal from comedians. Yeah, they certainly do when, yeah. they, when there's insight, um, right. because they have none. But the uh, but what, um, no, I probably forgot what I'm going to say because I wanted to make a joke. What are I, no, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and now, nowadays, though, I'm reaching a point in my life where I forget what I'm going to say, and I don't make a joke. I just forget what I'm going to say. <laughs> exactly. I stare into space. Yeah. Let me give you an example. This may jog your memory. So I'm talking, you know Leno, right? Yeah. All right. So Jay Leno I'm talking to. And Jay's mother was Scottish. And I was trying out my theory about all stand-ups, or my wife's theory about all stand-ups having the same mom, all good stand-ups having the same mom. And Jay, whatever you think about Jay, Jay is a great stand-up. I mean, and he, he said his mom, when he got the, the cover of Time magazine, when he was doing The Tonight Show, he said to his mom, Mom, I'm on the cover of Time magazine. She went, Oh, yes, it's probably just the local edition. She went, it's Time magazine, Mom. There is, there is no local edition. That's but, it. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's never enough. It's never enough. And, and I think that, that that part of getting on stage, getting back on stage, even when you've died, there's something in you. The death. Yeah. The death is the, uh, first off, it's, you choose, because of your mother in, in part, that you're, we're comfortable with that dying. It's, it's theater and stand up are the two places you learn from failure. Right. You learn. You don't learn by being successful because when it works, you like. Especially early on, you go, "What the, what the fuck did I just yeah, do?" Yeah, no, I, I have to be able to do it again. I don't yeah. know what happened in the first place. But if you fail, you kind of go, well, "I could try this. I could do this. I could right. do that." Would have changed the line, the delivery. Da 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 da. I started too high with the audience. I start my energy was too low. That all of that, all of that comes into play. And so I think it's th that that we get from our uh, our mothers, like, you know, J Jay's mom saying that, that sense of, like, uh, we're comfortable with the fact that we've been in front of a major primary relationship that we we take as our our backboard is like, this right. is our judgment. And it's constantly going, oh, forget it. Yeah. You have failed again. Right. And so failing, well, I know how to do that. And also failing can look like love. Yes. Because wow. yeah. you just go like, well, you know, I failed. My mom loves me, and and yeah. she's always saying mean things. So, <laughs> and there's and the other thing is is that that I've said about it, which is I believe about what separates those who go on and stand up is yeah. there's a certain kind of a joy we get out of dying. I totally the, agree. The, and the stupidity of that joy is. Oh, you think you got me in a corner? Yeah. You guys, forget it, because I have something coming up now. Yeah. Even though nothing has worked for 10 minutes. Yeah. But this one, I've been saving this one. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm going to do to you. And then you pull that out, and boom, and it's worse. And you're just digging your grave. Well, what's interesting, the reason I started this conversation talking about that is because before I ever met you, I saw you perform doing exactly that in front of one of the worst audiences I had seen in my life. Where, and I've seen some really bad ones, usually when I'm in front of them. It was at the Leighton Live gig in Ed, at the Edinburgh Festival years and years and years ago. Oh, you saw that. I was there. And I was like, oh wow. my God, they're going to kill him. And you just wouldn't back down. And I saw them turn 
which was amazing. And I thought, Jesus Christ, I, I don't know how a guy can do that. You that. were there because that's a that for me was a historic moment. It destroyed. I had gone over there, yeah, in hopes of then. This is my way to get into uh, England and Scotland, and right? And that killed it. Really? Oh yeah, I never. I, I think they all, you know, it did because I, the thing that had kicked it off was that I did a joke about golf clubs stolen from a, from a car that I had, a rental car in Florida, and that the policeman who say who came was Jamaican, and when I didn't. There was something at the time, I don't remember the joke, because it's almost as if that night traumatized me with the joke out of me. <laughs> oh, God. And so I said that, and it was just a true story, right. that I didn't know what he was saying. And that's when the audience, you racist piece of shite! And it started to pour out, and I was like, and that's why I put my foot down. You fucking, really? You guys are <laughs> going to call me racist? That's what I remember, which was <laughs> awesome. Because it was fantastic to watch. And there's a very there's a famous uh, audio recording of Bill Burr doing pretty much the same thing. Do you remember that? The, the audience, are they want to kill him. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care. I'm doing my time, you guys. And, you know, like, and he just, and he went at them. And they're, they're trying to drown him out at one point, And he won't give in. I remember those nights. They don't happen often now. Uh, in fact, I haven't had one for a long time. No, it it'd be bad if you had them when you're in your 60s. But when you're a kid starting out, that's why I wonder, you know, kids coming up now, everybody does things differently and they're they're doing their comedy on YouTube and stuff like that. And that's great. I would do it if I was that age too, you know. But they don't get put in front of the adversity. They get it in a different way. They get negative comments on their thing and people saying mean things to them online. But they don't get the immediate, fresh, in-your-face hatred, which I think does you so much good. Well, it does, and it also is how you learn. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think for, for some of them it works as like... Uh, it works as kind of like, okay, uh, it's like sending out an audition tape to the people you really want to audition for. So yeah. in that way, there's an upside. I just did my... Uh, Your special? My special is on YouTube now. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that because I'm going. I'm getting to the point, you know, where every couple of years when you have an act and you think, okay, I'm going to have to burn this stuff because yeah. I can't keep doing it. I can't it. keep saying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep saying it every night and pretending it's the first time I said it. So uh, we have to, I'm going to have to burn this. Um, so I'm coming up to doing a special and actually somebody had told me that you had put yours straight up on YouTube. And I went, you know what? I think that, because Louis did that as well, doesn't he? He just like puts it up on YouTube and it is what it is. Yeah. Well, because a lot of it was, and it was, and I wasn't happy about it because I'm going, well, you know, who's, you know, this is for kids, you know I mean? Right. And, but it apparently is where a ton of people are watching their stuff. No, the, the industry is changing and, yeah. and it's changing so fast that, you know, like the writer's strike and all that. I mean, everybody's like, I, you know, what's going to happen? But I think in the terms of, of stand-up comedy, the idea of having any executive have any input on material is over as far as I'm concerned. I just wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. be a thing that I would listen to now. Yeah, no, it's really absurd. It's, yeah. But it, it also is the... Uh, Amazon Prime has a, th a thing, a part of their deal now. Right. That I'm going to just tell you. I'm, we'll talk about it later. But, but right. you would find it unacceptable. Right. Netflix 
basically, I don't know. Ah, they, they, that's a club. Well, they dismissed us yeah, right. because we were already cretinous. Um, <laughs> I did a couple of stand-up specials for Netflix. Did you really? I did, yeah, back in you the day. You prick. I did not get one on. No, I, I did. The, I think I did. I thought you got. I just don't. One mean, of the first ones I did. Wow. It, wasn't, it wasn't the first one, but it was like in the first. I was all they could get. They gave you a couple for them. $40 million, you got the. No, Chappelle, no, no, I didn't okay. get anything like that. No, I got like a free subscription. <laughs> but when, I, when, I, when I did the Netflix special, I think it was. Nah, it was, they were definitely streaming, but it was, you know, it wasn't just the, the, uh, well, yeah, the no, DVD. So it was way back. Yeah, yeah it was, it was And it was before they went in the money psychosis. But when they started tossing money around for comics, and I was still in that kind of sweet spot of like, okay, you know, I should be one. And right. No, got blocked. And then now, forget it. We basically checked in, you know. Right. The guys pitched, yo, well, what about Lewis? And, yeah. Well, we have 12 people for every slot right now. And uh, I, I don't get it. But as a result, you know, bumped out of that. And then HBO has kind of uh, gone its way. Right. The, you know, Showtime. Can you make is, it a bit more Game of thrones <laughs> Can you Can you be on fire? Is there a dragon in it? Can it have a dragon in it? Is there some blood? Yeah, is there yeah some, maybe tits. Yeah. Tits, blood, and a dragon. <laughs> and incest. <laughs> well, actually, now as you mentioned it, yeah, I think that is my new special. I think that's what I'll call it. Tits, blood, and incest. <laughs> okay, so attention and social well, media. They'll be turning it. They'll be turning on YouTube a lot. Oh, oh boy, fun. oh boy. But I think what's interesting as well. It's that, coming. I'm serious. I may even use that. I think that putting it on the egalitarian nature of just throwing it out there, and then anybody who wants to watch it, watching it. I don't think the streamers have quite understood. I don't think that the executives are executives, whether they were working for CBS in the 1950s or Netflix now. They're just the same fucking middle management pricks that they were back then. And so what they do is they don't see when change is coming. They didn't fucking see that. And they think, like all humans, they think that they're the end of the evolutionary cycle. And you go, you fuckers don't understand. Netflix, you're going to be done. You're going to be done because people don't need to pay for stuff anymore. It's just like fucking music. What happened to the musicians? People just grab the shit from wherever they want. And now musicians have to go out. Like, that's why all these 80s bands right on tour again. Like, yeah. oh, God, I'm playing casinos and stuff with the nights and white satin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, but that's the, and it's in part the one thing about what YouTube does because where the money is going to come, you know, now is much like with, Rock and roll is coming from the the gig. Yeah, you got to do. You got to so, play live. Yeah. So the so that YouTube you know brings in more more diverse and a different audience for for us. Right. Or that's what they tell me. But we'll see. I think no, that's it's happened, working. That's happened to me. I don't know if you know. I noticed my audience is getting younger. I even had to say to them one night, "You fuckers better not be, better be here." Ironically, I don't. <laughs> you be, I'm not Rick Astley. You don't be here like never gonna give it old cheeky monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody, this is Craig Ferguson, letting you know that my Fancy Rascal Tour continues throughout the fall of 2023. For a full list of dates and tickets, please go to my website, thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Look, everybody has stuff that stresses them out and annoys them, and I'm no different from anybody else. For example, I get very irritated that people that wear shoes that look like feet. That's not a big deal, but it's a, it's a big deal to me. Obviously, there are much more important things to get worried about. Get them off your chest. When you keep them bottled up, it starts to affect you negatively. Now, therapy is a safe place to do that. That's what I did. And you figure out what's going on with you, work it through, and then let it go. Let it go, you see, that's what, I, that's what I think. I've done a lot of therapy, and I have to say I'm a very satisfied customer. If you think I'm kind of tense now, you should have seen me before I started. I'm actually, I really do recommend it. If you can do it, you should do it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I'd suggest giving better help a try. It's entirely online, it's designed to be convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with, you know, a licensed therapist, proper one, and then you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. I just think it's a good idea. Give it a shot. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash joypod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash joypod. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Do you think that the thing with stand-up, because we were talking earlier about the immediate failure of live stuff, and what happens is, Maybe it's changing for us too. Maybe live stuff is kind of like like the kids that are coming up, they, they start out on YouTube. They start out on free content. But if you start out on free content and you don't have an hour and a half to do once you get to the theater, it's going to work against you a little yeah. bit. Well, it's that thing when they started doing, uh, you know, when you had the five minutes, people were working on their seven-minute set for... Uh, yeah, Carson yeah, and stuff. Carson, yeah. and then they... And then, you know, they would go, and that that's what they had, and they didn't have the even the 30 minutes to be a middle act. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's crazy. I mean, and now, 
I mean, now it's really, but I'm crazy because now I actually, people go, do you go to clubs to work out your material? I go, no, I just go into a theater and work it out. It, that's yeah. what you do, right? I, I kind of mix it up a little bit. I, especially because the mechanics are touring, because I know you tour a lot too. And we're dinosaurs, man. We tour like fucking old rock bands. You get on a fucking bus and you've got the big foreign guy with the tattoos doing the sound check and all that kind of stuff. And that's a kind of old model, but I do it. So if there's a, you know, if you book a theater on a Thursday and you don't have another theater until a Sunday because because Lewis Black's in the fucking theater that yeah, night, right. so you can't have it. Or you so, can't, or there's not a city in between. Right, makes... so, so I'll do a club, I'll do, and I'll do a run of clubs. There are clubs that I really like. Which ones? The Comedy Works in Denver. Great, both, uh, great both great clubs. The one in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, what's the name of that one in Charlotte? I, I like the... There's Comedy Zone, yeah, the Comedy Zone. Which is the weird, used to be a really weird, because they had about a hundred of them, and they were... No, nah, it's just one, I think, yeah, as far as I Yeah, I think it's kind of... There's still a few of them around, but they're not... That one is... If it's a particularly good one, that's... That would be why. That's a find. No, no, it's good. It was the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, and there's there's a couple of really nice ones, like the the there's some improvs that are really nice. There's one in San Jose. And there's oh, that's one a in, great one. That's at like yeah. a theater. I, yeah, I love and, that one. And the one in La Brea uh, uh, yeah. in California. So they're, they're there. I like, know? did you ever play Hilarities? No, where's that? That's Cleveland. That's another great one. Oh, you know, I saw John Lovitz there one night. Nick is the guy who owns <laughs> It's great. And and importantly, as, and sadly to say, really great food. <laughs> really, really great food. Yeah. And, and, and not to you wouldn't appreciate this. And a, and a, and a really good wine list. Well, I think that's okay. I, I mean, look, I just because I don't drink wine is, right. uh, you know, I, I used to drink a lot of wine. Oh, uh, well, I know. Yeah, you don't. You don't have a thing with that. You've never had a problem with. No, I did. I probably did, but I. What I had was a. Uh, I was functioning. Right. Really right, well. Right. I didn't have a. I would basically. Uh, it, it kind of. You know. It was like. So let me get this straight. I got a job where I can drink when I'm done with the job until 6 in the morning, let's say. Yeah. And then I still have, I can sleep for 12 hours. Yeah. And then wake up, I don't have to be on stage till 9. So I don't see how I could possibly. That's so, a, see, that's a very healthy attitude, I think, because the way I was doing it is that I would like, so I have a job that I have to stop drinking for, that seems like a lot. Uh, so I, I had a different approach to it, but that was a long, we've both seen people who screw up. I mean, years, and, oh, and, you know. and from that to drugs. I mean, where, mm. where, you, where they call you and they say, "So and so passed," and you knew it. You knew. Yeah. It's just what, when was it going to happen? Yeah. And the great that. moment that the thing I when this just this is a little off to the side, but it's really one of the stories I repeat in terms of drinking was you and I, and I, and also it's about drinking, but more importantly, it's about why it's important you just talk to somebody who, right. you, who I really loved being on your show. I, I loved it. I thought that the great thing about it is we just, you ripped up the cards and just talked. just talked. That's great. I'm glad yeah. you felt that way. Oh, and, no. I, and I loved having you on the show. Oh, and it was terrific because I was completely comfortable and we were enjoyed. And sure. I knew if I had nothing, you had it. You knew if you had nothing, I had it. It Correct. was like a great ping pong match and, and nobody was trying to win. Right. And But you and I, and this was, and it's what made Parr's show and why I watched it, you know, aging me or 
not, but those early shows like Al and Steve Allen, that what made them great was the fact that they were in a conversation. They weren't trying to promote anything. And how right. is it to work with Licky Dick? Well, yeah, Licky yeah, Dick yeah, licked yeah. my dick, yeah, you know, yeah. that stuff. <laughs> and so it really gave, we discovered while talking that we lived in the same neighborhood. We didn't know that. That's right. The, the East Village. Right. That we discussed, which bar did you go to? We went to the same, same fucking bar. bar. Yep. You and we both sat there. And it was like, literally, we went through a progression of understanding that we'd been fucking around each other. We were both drinking that we never noticed. Yeah, at the same time, <laughs> the, the Pyramid on 7th Avenue. Yeah. There was the Last Resort on, uh, sorry, 7th. WDBO or whatever the one. Right. On 7th. Right. Also. And the the uh, the Pyramid Club was on yeah, Avenue the, B or something. Avenue A, I think. Avenue A, that's right. It was Avenue next to the Odessa <laughs> Russian restaurant. Right, it was yeah. a really good borscht that you could get yeah, at yeah. 4 o'clock in the it's morning. It's gone now. Yeah, of course it has. It's a fucking YouTube or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a Netflix screen or something. <laughs> but it was like all of that time. I, when I look at, because I was tooling around, as you were, tooling around New York in the 80s, in the East Village, they make movies about shit like that now. They make movies about, you know, like Basquiat and all this. I remember Basquiat, you know, hanging out at the, the Pyramid Club and it saved the robots. I remember, yeah. And you don't think anyone's going to make a movie of, of these <laughs> yeah. things, you know, but... I guess that, you know, you get old enough and you don't die and they start making, you know, back in the old days, in the before times. <laughs> <laughs> so... When you were doing it, the the you were doing stand up then, right? Yeah, but only off and on. I was doing. I really was theater. Yeah, I wanted to be in theater. What drew you more into stand up then, or did you still want to do theater? Because we could. Probably I mean, I still would like to do more theater, but I just you know the the stand up kind of fulfills the 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 writing. It, it fills everything, writing and acting. Yeah, it does. And I've never been a director, but I'm directing, and it doesn't Are take you? much. I mean, no. You're directing your stand-up. So, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. it's it's the thing when I talk to young actors, I go, do it. Do it just to do it, because you're learning directing, writing, and acting simultaneously. It's the reason I started doing it as well. Because in Britain, you had to, in order to be an actor who worked in a theater, you had to have an equity card. You have a union, actor's union card. I don't know what it's like now, but back then, and you had, in order to get the union card, you had to do three shows in a union theater. But in order to get a show in a fucking union theater, theater yeah, you needed I, I to have, have a union, union card. card. I was like, here. what the fuck? <laughs> but there was one loophole, which is if you did stand-up, they would put you on to do stand-up and give you a union contract. So I did three, and by the third one, I was like, oh, okay, I think, I think I might have found something that I enjoy, <laughs> or at least I can do sufficiently to get by. So when did you start? Uh, doing John's show because that was like a that was like a real gear change for you, wasn't it? When you started doing the Daily Show, yeah, that was a big gear change. But the uh, that one I was doing, but I'd already kind of transitioned into stand up, and I was oh yeah, uh, I knew, well, I knew that yeah. yeah. Um, but I was doing I was doing it when Kilborn was on. I was there from the very wow. very beginning. How did you get? I I never met him much. I, I I talked to him. I did his show that I ended up hosting, the late night right, show. Yeah. And he was always really nice to me. I didn't really connect with him. I didn't. I didn't really know him. At I don't all. think it was much to connect. I, mean, right. I was with that's, him, and it was. Yeah, he was yeah, kind he, of a yeah, yeah. shut, quiet guy. Yeah, yeah, he kind of kept himself to himself. Yeah, I, mean, I think he went from sports to that. And yeah, I think he was a a little bit of a fish out of water there because a lot of the times, I mean, he didn't know what the joke was. 
You know, I mean, the idea was we want like that woman in the in the Marx Brothers movies. What was her name? Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I can't remember. But yeah, is it Dumont? Mar- yeah, Margaret Dumont, right? I get I get fifty points in the race to come back next week. Do you know what? Uh, there's a great a great Groucho Marx quote about someone gave her a job. He said, oh, great. I'm glad you gave her a job. She hasn't worked since the last Marx Brothers movie. What am I saying? I haven't worked since. <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, uh, the Daily Show. The Daily Show was, was, uh, was, I mean, I was on like the first or the second week. Right. And have been on ever since. And then when I became of the gear changer, like I knew who you were. I'd seen you in Edinburgh. I knew you did stand up. I knew you were the stand up that you are. I knew what, what, you, what I was dealing with when I saw you and, and how good you were at it. But I became aware of the gear change for you on that show. And it was round about, it was after Clinton. Was it after Clinton? Was it George? Was it Bush? Bush. Was yeah, it was Bush. That, that, Bush kicked it in. Right. That's where I believed began to believe in, and when I talked to people that it was part of what success has to do with in our business is timing. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with reality. No. This was, George Bush came to power. It was right in my sweet spot. Yeah. yeah the show was on. There was finally, uh, you know, they they began to, you know, the, the, the audience, which I already knew was paying attention to this stuff, their knowledge and interest increased, let's see, even 10%. And I had George Bush, and it really cr- cracked things wide open. And It's uh, an interesting thing, though, that, that show, because the phenomenon of that show kicked off a lot, both for, I mean, obviously for John, it changed his career. But yeah. the idea of the fake news, which was a great joke, and now it's kind of, it, it's not kind of, it's fucking real. Yeah. Now nobody, and I, do, I don't care if you're on the far right of Hitler or the far left of Trotsky, nobody believes anybody anymore. You don't know where to go for your any news. And people used to trust The Daily Show for news, which was the fake news show. Yeah. This is strange, right? Yeah. And then what it evolved into was news shows. I think it evolved into MSNBC and Fox because then it, we have news, but what we're going to do is comment on the news. Right. And that came from The Daily Show. Yeah, and, and that, of course, is a Frankenstein's monster because now it's not even news. It's just we're going to comment on everything, everything. Yeah. all the time. Yeah, and it's really uh, reached a point. It's, I, I keep screaming it on stage. Four years ago, I was saying it. Five years ago, before the shit hit the fan, I was going, I said, we don't have a two-party system of ideas. It's two separate realities. People, they're living, we are literally, I'm in a, this country is living in two separate realities. Yeah. If not four, yeah. but two solid separate realities that they based it on. And, and I see it when I sent out the special, the YouTube special. Uh, you know, some of the comments are like, well, you know, yada, you didn't do that. You know, your take on this and that. Was, what, what are you talking? I'm talking about me, schmuck. This is yeah, not, yeah. you've decided that was your reality. I'm telling you what my reality was. But the thing is, because everything now has a polemic, everything has a polemic, that even to not have, to not be political is to be political. Yeah. And it's it's so fucking, it's such a weird <laughs> twist. It's like, I'm not going to do politics. Oh, so you're a Trumper. <laughs> where, where, where did I'm not going to do politics? Did I say that? You know, it's kind of, oh, so you're not a Trumper? Oh, fuck you, Trump's great. It's like, what's happening is that I think, this is my theory about it, I don't know if you agree, that people love to feel smart. 
And the thing about politics is, it's a really great way, particularly for politicians, it's a really great way for dumb fucks to feel like they're clever. Like they say stuff and they get to wear a suit and walk around in big buildings and say, very important. And they're, I I don't know about you, but the politicians I've met all the way up to presidents, I'm like, I can't believe how fucking stupid this guy is. Like they're fucking stupid. (laughs) But then I get it because... Who else would be a politician but a fucking idiot? <laughs> this is crazy, right? Because you lose half the audience right there. Well, they're also nerds. Yeah. And they used to be better at being nerds, which yeah. was like not try to get beyond their nerdishness and just, I'm going to go there. You know, what they wanted to do was go in that room and work. Right. They didn't want to go out. And then, then they found out you could make more money. You know, it's kind of when Hollywood and D.C., I'm from D.C., right. around that area. I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. And literally, you know, when I was young, there was no Hollywood. Hollywood was here. And then, and then once Reagan came in, there was the marriage, the marriage of the two. Event, and yeah. then it's the, uh, we're going to present you with this. And Did you ever do the uh, Hollywood, the, uh, what do you call it, White House Correspondence Center? No, I did the um, Congressional Correspondence Center. All right, okay. Is that that like the Illuminati one or something? Yeah, no, that was, uh, (laughs) it was, it had its own, it was the same, but, you know, I never got, I never got that high. I was, that's my career. It's like, did you do that? No. Uh, But I did this. (laughs) Well, it's fun. I did the White House Correspondence Center the last year of Bush. Oh, that I remember you yeah, did. Oh it. Yeah. my God, that's so it's such a weird gig because you know when you do a corporate gig, and you like you know it's gonna suck because yeah, yeah, they're like yeah. they're like <clears throat> like you can smell the warm lobster before you start talking, <laughs> but but the <laughs> those are better gigs than I. Have. <laughs> well, sometimes it's warm. Like, you know once <laughs> I used to do this. I had this thing once. Going with them, I had this thing once where. I used to do this bit in the act about Tom Cruise. Like, it wasn't particularly nice about Tom Cruise. It was about, like, you know, his take on depression and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a bad, I mean, it wasn't particularly nasty about him, but it was a thing. And I did it. I used to kill every night. I used to kill every night. And one night I do it at a corporate gig, total silence. And then I come off stage and somebody says, you know, this is Tom Cruise's law firm. <laughs> so, right. I'm like, oh my God, are they going to sue me? Like, no, but I don't think they'll have you back. God. God, it's scary. Do you do a lot of corporate gigs? You no. Don't? No? No, they do not even come near me anymore. Nah, I don't know. They came, they they kind of dried up during the COVID. I think they're beginning but, to come But back. they stopped. Before the COVID, they stopped there. Mm-hmm. I had some, and some really worked well. And then, uh, but also they, you know, there was this thing that they didn't realize I could you know, oh, that he's going to come here. He's going to say fuck a lot. No, you idiot. Right? Yeah, you, 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 you pay X. I'm not going to say fuck. Right, okay? that's, I'm not here to say fuck. It's funny how people will say that. It's like, please don't say fuck. Like I'm capable of that. I did one. I remember it was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just before I walk on stage, the guy says to me, "Please don't say fuck." And I'm like, I knew it, right? I, I, mean, I knew it. Age when I say the contract it says, you know, PG thirteen or something, but. But I walked on stage and I said to the audience, I've just been told that I'm not allowed to say the F. I've just heard this minute. So we're going to have to, I'm just, we're just going to have to make up another word. And, <laughs> and it actually that's played pretty funny. good. Oh, yeah, that's nice. good. But I think that the whole world, because of social media, has become HR. Like everybody is like, you, you got to be, you got to not offend this, you got to not do that. And you're like, what? But offending people is a byproduct of doing what we do. You don't have to be an asshole or a bully, but you 
you are going to offend someone. You're yeah. going gonna to say something that you don't... That's why I think when I see you, I think you're so good at this. You will say a thing that you patently don't believe in order to make a joke. But if I write down, Lou Black said this, it's going to look like you do believe yeah, that. I, because they remove your skill from what you just did. Yeah, exactly. It's gotten out of hand. And also, for me, a part of it is, is I'll find myself on stage, I'll say something. Like, I'll say it's something, you know, and... Uh, and the guys will will understand, and then I go, oh, fuck. Okay, look, by guys, <laughs> I said, I did not mean to exclude every woman on the planet. Do you understand this? And the fact that I even have to fucking stand here and make sure that before you leave this theater that you understand that this had to do with everybody, and I didn't say everybody, and that somehow I slipped that word in, you know, and you kind of go, and they get it. Yeah, of course you know, they because do. Because they've yeah, been yeah. dragged through this. Yeah. Because it's both sides have created this man. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it, I don't think it belongs to any particular group no, of people. It, no, it, because it, it works in, you know, it's, I said, just recently I was talking about, I brought up George Santos. That, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on stage. Yeah, he's a trip. Oh, God. Oh, what a so, so I bring him up. Because I, I started it as a joke about, and I used to say, Herschel Walker. Right. And that's all I got to say. <laughs> and the audience, when I said his name, the audience would be like, how? Just how? I said, that's where we're at. Do you understand? That I don't need, you don't need me anymore. I'm done. <laughs> just say the name. <laughs> I've just counted the name. So I tried it with Santos. He doesn't do as well. So, But I met, you know, I was starting to talk a little about it. I said he was a liar. And on one side of the stage, a guy yells out, well, Joe Biden's a liar. <laughs> and I go, okay, look, all right, do you understand? the difference between the types of lies I'm talking. And then the guy and the other guys at the stage goes, you know, Biden wouldn't be where he was if he wasn't. I, I said, what? I said, what are you talking about? And I go stage. Now, all I've said is George Santos. Just his name. Made, yeah, and that, or in that he makes shit, you know, that he was lying. That, that, right. And I started to get into, you know, the two jokes, and then I tell the audience, you can make a joke. Right. Just pick anything that you think he might not have ever done, and you're going to get a laugh. <laughs> and so so the guy says, and this shocked me and actually stopped me, because I, you know that moment where you go, I can't believe this is fucking coming out of this person's mouth, and this is happening. He says, well, you know, if Joe Biden's uh, wife and son weren't killed in that accident, uh, Joe Biden would be a used car salesman. Okay. Okay. And I was like, what the fuck did that have to do with what? Jeez. And Jeez. I was like, I said, you know, I got to stand here now and explain to you the difference between these two people that I have to reprimand you for the fact that this is not the type of thing you say. You want to say this at home, you say it at home. That's fine. Right. Around the dinner table with your family, fine. I don't right. care. But no, you don't come into a public space and say something that nasty about anybody. No, that's what home is for. That's what Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner is for. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like that thing when, you know, uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry said, someone in the royal family is racist. And I'm like, yeah, it's a it's a family. So, it there, yeah, someone in the family is a racist. If you don't know who the racist is in your family, it's because it's you. <laughs> it's, it's a family. It's like a Thanksgiving dinner. You know, Grandpa would like to say a few words. No, no, he's not. He's not saying anything. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. 
Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It seems to me that, I don't know, being offended is some kind of badge of honor, and I don't understand it. I, I get offended, but so what? You know, Ricky Gervais has got a very nice little phrase about it. He said, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Yeah. You're just offended. Uh, but this was astonishing. I mean, I just hadn't. Yeah. Because I hadn't heard that in so long, that kind of mean-spirited. I just won't. I don't abide it. I yeah. mean, that's what we get to do. And the reason we get to do it is we try to put it, take it, encapsulate it, and put it into a joke. And make it ridiculous. Yes. So if you take a, if you take a sentence which is mean... Or you take a, a sentiment which is me and you hold it up for being foolish or stupid or, or reprehensible. But I think that, you know, the nuance, it's a, I think it's a little, I don't want to be like cranky about social media, but at the same time, it's hard not to be because it, it's kind of really just a bathroom wall. You know, you just write, you know, Craig Ferguson is shit in shit, so therefore it's true. Yeah, you know, and 
you were never funny. Yeah, you're, the, you're not funny. Which I don't really understand, because you don't say to a musician, you're not music. You go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking am. People are dancing. Like, if all these people are laughing and you're not laughing, maybe yeah, I am funny, maybe yeah. you're just yeah, an what, asshole. What, what, yeah, it's like I go, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, did I, if I just, you know, there's nobody laughing and I'm hearing it, that's what the level of psychosis I'm at. Yeah, God. And they're really uh, unbelievable in terms of the fact that they, uh, it's high school. Yeah, a little so it feels a bit like that. Yeah. Well, that was the thing I've been I've been th thinking about this uh, is is that social media is all the things that people hated in high school and it brought back. So you're walking down the hall, yeah. and somebody found out you know you were pissing in a urinal, you missed the urinal, and you're walking down the hall, you missed the urinal, yeah, you know, and yeah. so you get sixty of those, yeah, and eighty of these, yep. and, and part of the problem was, and it's happening now with AI, is they just said, okay, here's Facebook, go do it, and it was like when it happened, I was like, this is bullshit. Never in the history of anything did you become involved with something and they don't give you any instructions. Right. You know, just play with it. Well, yeah, you yeah. know, just playing with it created real problems, fuck nut. It's interesting, though. I, I have a slightly different feeling about AI. That maybe I'm wrong. But I feel probably that you are probably wrong. You're totally wrong. <laughs> God damn it! I can't believe I've got to sit here. <laughs> he he shit. I wrote it in shit, so it must be true. <laughs> I said we're not going to talk about AI. <laughs> AI, <laughs> I think, finally devalues it completely. Like it completely devalues it. Like I saw a post devalues devalues all social media because it's all it's all garbage all the time, right. which is a. Uh, you know, obviously one of my favorite performers of all time, saying, all garbage, all the time. <laughs> but, it, but it is. It is. It's all garbage all, all the, the time. time. And I think the AI makes it so worthless as a... See, I think the failure of journalism, in the sense that they got so lazy, they used social media as a source, that they gave it some credence and some validity that it doesn't actually have. You well, is that true? Right. So you get, it started with it, it was started before him, but it was really blew up in the Trump era. Right. They, well, he used it very effectively, though. I mean, because he just used the noise. But mm. the big tragedy there, I used to say, was is that when they started putting his tweets and stuff on TV, I go, right. that, you don't get to do that. Yeah. That's our job. Yeah. Okay. Your job is to discuss the political. These tweets are the pathological. That's our bread and butter. <laughs> That's right. That's you right. Fucking pricks. Yeah. And I would go out there and I said, you know, I would read these tweets to you, but you've already heard them 300 times and you shouldn't have heard them at all. And I said, and that's why my act will be shorter tonight. Yeah. Because they've <laughs> taken away. <laughs> taken away all your stuff. A third of what, I mean, it was unbelievable. It's an odd thing that you can say, but that's why I think AI is actually going to save the human race. Because you can't believe a fucking word of it and you're going to have to grow up. You can't, it's not like, well, I get my news, so it doesn't matter where you get your fucking news. If you get your news from an electronic device, you're fucked. You're going to have to go and see for yourself. So if something happens in Ukraine and you think, what's going on in Ukraine? Get on a fucking plane and go and find out because that's the only way you're going to fucking know. Yeah. I wouldn't advise it because I suspect it might be dangerous, but if you really want to know what's going on, go and fucking see. Well, now that you can do the, I mean, which AI is... You know, that you can, uh, that it, it came out before. And the thing is, is too, with AI, is it's really literal. We're talking about this. And this is, 
probably four weeks after they announced, really, AI. Right. Where they told the world, hey, look what we got. We're going <laughs> to fuck with everything now. You thought we were fucking with you, but now we got something we're really going to be really fucking fuck with Yeah, you. we're going to shove something right up your ass. <laughs> boy, oh, boy, get ready for this shit. It's, but it is uh, that thing now, too, which they kind of, uh, just before AI, they said, oh, you know, we can put fake people into these things. Right. And they look just like you. What? I want to be in porn. Without having to do it. Yeah. Like, so, so I like, you use my face and then give me a huge penis and make me, <laughs> make me great at porn. Uh, and I, I'm fine with it. Go right ahead. Uh, <laughs> just don't focus on me going, eh, 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 like that. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think that because, it, look, the human race is evolving. Evolution doesn't stop. Everybody thinks, well, that's it now. You know, it's like, well, we got the wheel. That's it now. Well, we got fire. That's it now. What is fire? It's like, it's not like it's going to fucking stop. Well, streaming, that's the way of the future. No, it's fucking not. It's the way of the now. The future, you don't fucking know what's coming. Yeah. The AI, too, is, is I think, is, they say, you have, a world filled with people who have no intelligence. Just right. tons of us. Right. And from out of that group of people who have no intelligence, a number of people who have a little more of no intelligence than those people without intelligence, just a touch more, yeah. are going to create intelligence? Yeah. Well, fuck you. Yeah, it's okay? I saw a robot when I was in L.A. I was in L.A. with my son about uh, a couple of months ago. I saw a delivery robot. And it was a robot on its own going down the road delivering a thing. And I, and I was like... It wasn't a commercial? No, no, it's a real fucking, <laughs> it's a real fucking robot. They, they have delivery robots. I know they do, but I've never seen one. No, well, I saw one. That was the only one I saw. And I was thinking, you know what? I don't care how well you've made that robot. If I want what that robot's got, I'll fucking take it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't need a gun. I just need to unplug that motherfucker or know where his batteries are. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking... The whole idea of it, I refuse to be frightened of it. I think people are, are who they are. You know, I, I just... I, I refuse to say, oh, the AI is going to get us. Fuck them. Well, I don't think it's going to get them, but I think it's going to undermine education for a while. Well, not as much as the fucking failure of the education system has undermined the education Well, that's true, too, but that's got to do with uh, another problem. But, I mean, when you, for those who are kind of past, you know, in college, once you get to college and you kind of go, fuck, I got three papers this week. Oh, that's true. That yeah, critical yeah, thinking yeah, thing yeah. goes out the window. I yeah. Mean, I mean, it. You know, it's like when they said, you know, you don't have to... This was an amazing one that I did on... Which is, talk about stupid. Okay, this is how dumb I am. I said, I'm just going to tell you this. This is not funny. It's not anything. It's just information you should have. When you go to a PTA meeting, they've stopped teaching cursive writing. Really? Here. In a lot of places in the country. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Yeah. And do you write stuff down? You write it, right? Yeah. Or do, yeah, yeah. You, or do you? I I, tie, I do both. You yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, you know, I had uh, I'd written plays and for a long time. And then, you know, when the word processor and all that came out, I started to try to write plays. I thought, oh, now I'll be able to keep up with my brain. And I tried to do that. And I kept, and I wasn't writing as well. And I realized, then I went back to writing in longhand, cursive, and I went, fuck. I'm thinking different. Yeah. It's a completely different way of thinking. Oh, well, do you, how much do you read versus before or after smartphones? Like, when, I mean, I used to read, oh, I always had a book in my hand. I would always read. And, and now I read, but I read like 
garbage on on this fucking little I, little toilet funnel in my hand. I read less, much less. Yeah. I also think the pandemic did it uh, for me too. Yeah, because I sit down and it was like there was still like, oh, I got plenty of time. I'll read this, and then the next day I'll read this, then the next day I'll read this. And it was really almost true. I would start to read something, and in my head is it would be, I'd get about three paragraphs in, and my brain would start going, stop, drop the book, you're going to die. <laughs> Did you get COVID? No. You Did never you? got it? I had it twice. Wow. And I've had all the shots, and I'm like, I'm like a COVID Petri dish. Wow. Yeah, I, I've had it a couple of times. I think you're the only the second person I've ever met that's not had it. Yeah, I, I know a few who didn't. And I had this uh, kind of spray that I don't know if that's what did it. Yeah. That they claimed worked. Would, uh, would you spray other people to keep them away from you? No. Like a cat? That would be a different spray. Um, <laughs> wow, twice. Did, you, did yeah. it knock you out? First time. First time it did. Second time I was like, okay, uh, it's no big deal. But the first time, I think what was worse with the the pandemic wasn't the COVID was awful. Of course it was. But no, were you there or here when I you was got in Scotland it? when you got it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Both well, times. you've never been a clean people. No, no, we're not. We're we're damp, <laughs> and we do a lot of breathing on each other and touching <laughs> touching things. So we and washing our hands. That's fully English. So <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it was the the fear that they put into it. Do you remember in the 1980s when they were trying to terrify everybody when AIDS first started and the the fear campaign, rather than saying, look, here's what we know so far, which would have been helpful, I think, to a lot of people who subsequently got sick, they just tried to make it about shame-based sexual contact. It had echoes of that in it. It's like, the main thing you have to focus on here is your fear. It seems kind of sinister to me that anything that comes is like nobody kind of wants to help. Well, at least that's the kind of vibe I got from it. That it's like, I don't think yeah, you guys want to help. You're just loving this. That, I mean, was, the media, you know. It, it was very weird. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, it was that thing. It was I, my whole life, I thought if we were invaded by, uh, you know, another uh, aliens, aliens, yeah, that the world because of all the books I, you know, and all the science fiction, would come together yeah. to defend themselves. And here is an invasion by yeah. an alien. Nothing. Not even close. Nope. Not even in the ballpark. Nope. What are you doing? Shh, don't tell them. Don't tell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, what fucking, are you people this crazy? Yeah. And here, too, it was, you know, and my special has it has stuff in it about what happened. You yeah, know? yeah, I, and, I did, too. Yeah, and, I, I and, wrote about it. And the response of some people is, is that, you know, well, you're, you know, and it was like, you know, they had their own take on it. And I said, the problem, and to me, the problem always was, is that what you had to have happen here was the, the whether whether it worked or not, there are people who are going to ignore it, but the Democrats and the Republicans had to get together. Yeah. And they had to sit down as one. And with him, with the, with the perfect storm, you know, with Trump, and kind of present a united front and say, here's what we're going to do. And they right. never did. It was no, like, they never did. You can do this, or you can do that. Or, yeah. you know, um, I was fucking, I mean, seriously, I was, and it wasn't a joke. I'm washing shit with Clorox. I could have killed myself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like in Britain, the prime minister was making the rules 
for the COVID lockdown. And at the same time, this is why they kicked him out. He's having like parties in, in number 10 down the street. And he's like, oh, yeah, you, you're not allowed to see your grandma if she's dying. <laughs> oh, it's like, fucking what? But it was an odd, a weird, I don't remember anything like it in my lifetime when things got that strange for that little period, that first six months of COVID, I'm like, oh my God, this is it really, was bizarre. Fucking, really fucking weird. Really weird. Yeah. And then um, really, uh, you know, oh boy, you know, this whole thing about, you know, I'm not going to take the vaccine. And then that became a political, how does that, it's not, a how does it get political? I it's know, not yeah, a political yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's either you, you trust that science or you don't, or, or you don't. Yeah. That's it. And if uh, I'm, I mean, it, if I'm it, taking it, I am not striking out at you. And if you, and if I don't want to see you because you didn't take it, it's because I'm going to go see my mother. Yeah. And I can't fucking afford. I'm not even worried about me as much as I am getting something that because I was seeing my been, mother every two weeks. Yeah, and that must have well, been the thing because your mom was what like 102 at the yeah, time at the time and never got COVID. Jeez. In a nursing home where they were dropping. Yeah, yeah, you know, that happened in Scotland as well. They put a bunch of people from the hospitals that had it back into the nursing homes, and uh, it was a mess. Well, yeah, it's crazy. It was a mess. But and then they and then people blame people for that. Yeah, you know, blame the doc. It's like nobody knew anything. Nobody knew what was going on. Yeah, no, you remember because. Right at the beginning, we thought you could get it from not having enough toilet paper. <laughs> that was not the world's greatest moment. Well, that was panic buying uh, the, fucking toilet paper. And then I would get things on my, uh, you know, there's comments because I talk about, you know, that I had food delivered. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, well, you son of a bitch. You made those people come out and f fucking, you know. Deliver food. Deliver food to you. I said, well, you know, no, I. I didn't really do that. I didn't. I was trying to, you know, I paid for it. It wasn't like I put a sh This is Lewis Black, and if you do not deliver food to me, I will have you killed. Yeah, but let, let's, <laughs> you know, so what's my choice? You know, they're going to deliver the food, or do I just not eat again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. Anyway, everybody. There is an upbeat. Yeah, well, There's a know, bit of joy. We're, we're, we're kind of done. I, <laughs> we can't I, end on that. Oh, I've enjoyed myself immensely. But we can't end on this. What do you want to end on, Jesus, then? you work with this guy? <laughs> we trying to sell a product here? No! No, we're not trying to sell a product. Yes, That's the whole fucking are. idea. This, see, the whole idea I like about this podcast thing is this, because I used to think, do you have a podcast? I have a rant cast. A rant cast. And I'm going to go home after this. And rant about this? And say, I sat with that son of a bitch, <laughs> and it was so depressing. <laughs> I hadn't seen him in years, and he ended with this thing about... About uh, COVID. About, yeah. No, starting with AIDS. Oh, yeah, He started yeah. with AIDS. Yeah, I, yeah. To, be, to go back in the... Because we lived in that neighborhood was like the oh, AIDS capital was, of the world. Yeah, I remember. You I know? thought I had it. Did you think you had it? No, I was uh, barely poking. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> Well, no. and that's how you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no I, I, uh, I, I, I thought I had wow. a couple of times. Do you know? This is the truth. Do you remember at the very beginning? Well, no, it was a little bit into the years. Maybe it was in, is as late as the nineties. I think it was in the nineties. The first, because I, I never wanted to get a test, an AIDS test. But then they came out with the mail-in AIDS test. So what you what you did was, it was like I think the movie phone guy was involved, and what you did is like the you got a card from a drugstore and you pricked your finger with it and you put your little bit of sample of blood on the card and you sent it away and you waited a week and then they gave you a number to dial and you dialed into the Come number. On. I swear to God. You dialed into the number 
And then it, you had a number on your card. So you say, punch in the number if you want to know if you have AIDS. And so I'd like, wow. punch in, you know, 833-456 or something. And, and I said, 833-456, you do not have AIDS. <laughs> if, you, if you want to hear this message again, press one. So of course... What you do is you go, boom, I want to hear it again. You press one, it goes, there you, there you do not have AIDS. Do you want to hear this message? If you want to hear this number, go press one. So you press it again and go, you have exceeded the amount of times you can hear this. You must <laughs> reapply. And you had to reapply for the thing. Did you know? That's the one I did. Wow. That was, it was scary. Look, I had a friend, I talked about the only, one of my friends got the thing where it just, you know, took the test. You yeah. Know, we went for, you know, and, uh, he took the test, and they said, oh, you have AIDS. Now he's, like, been, you know, he's close to getting married. And so yeah. I got AIDS. And then, like, the next day, nah, nah only kidding. I mean, it was literally oh, like, yeah, false positive. False positive. See, the thing was, as well, right back then, if you got AIDS, you were going to die. That was it. It was done. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I've got friends who have had AIDS for years. Or not AIDS, it's HIV positive for yeah. years. And they haven't developed AIDS. So let's end on that. Yeah, there's something up there. <laughs> wow, that, we really, yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable. They're, they're, I, they're fine. <laughs> I am really glad. I, I, I have a buddy who's in a car accident, but he's doing okay. Now, is this what you're doing now? Is this it? Or, no, no, this is just like a side hustle. Everybody says to you, 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 you have to have a point. It's like, who made you have a Twitter account, Kathleen? Kathleen really yeah, said yeah. you gotta because you have to keep your name out. Right. That's so and that's, tell people where I was gonna be. Right. And I bet you the rant cast is the podcast is the same thing. Well the thing. rant cast was when I was stuck inside and I right. and I didn't I wasn't one of those people I need an audience to do stand up. Right. I, mean, I can do it with you. Yeah. You know, I mean there are people that right. I can banter yeah. back and forth with and and stuff like that. But basically, like I'm gonna go home and sit by myself and talk about uh, the writer's strike is what right. I got. And I got one rant that came in. But I had all of these rants that people had already sent in. I've been doing it for years where I read these rants on stage live. Oh, And they yeah. went throughout the world. And what was great about it is it, some, some of them were spectacular. I mean, so fucking good. In the last year, they were really remarkable. And my tour manager said, this would be a great thing to put. And I thought, great, because people didn't, you know, if you didn't see it that night, you'd, you, you know, didn't see it. You, you didn't see it. Gone, yeah. And so uh, I was able to get those out there. And uh, and then I do an intro of what happened that week, and then I started reading rants that were coming to me. And, so people uh, write down the rants, and you read them out for them. Yeah, and That's so I'll be reading the rant of one of the writers uh, today. That well, uh, now technically, if that writer wrote a rant for you to read out, didn't that writer then write for you? In oh, no, no, they didn't write it for me. It just uh, wrote just wrote it. Wrote a thing saying this is right. talking about it and right. sending it to some friends. All right. Then, and they're not, you know. I don't I'm, want you getting in trouble. That's all I'm, I'm not getting in trouble for this and because it's really about getting it out to the public as to why this is bullshit and why we, why we need to go on strike. I'm on strike. Yeah. I'm on strike. I, none of this was written down. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, you're a WGA member, right? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, so we're on strike. We are on strike. Yeah. I but know. you know, did they? Did you ever get anything asking you for your vote? No. Did you? No. Yeah. I, I think I think you had to go and vote in the auditorium. No, you, there was no auditorium. Oh, that's no. And the fact that you, you even use that word means that this this <laughs> this this podcast has dropped ten percent. <laughs> What's an auditorium? 
That's where people go to get COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish it now. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>